Welcome to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm Christopher Dedian, founder and CEO of Dedian Enterprises, Inc. We are committed to optimize people's performance with tools such as peak performance speaking, coaching, and consulting programs for a worldwide international community. We believe that the only difference between where you are and where you want to be is acquiring the knowledge you need and consistently utilizing that knowledge to become a peak performing individual in every area of your life. Stick around until the end of the show where we will reveal how you can become the next guest on the fastest growing inspirational educational podcast on the planet in 20 to 30 minutes. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I am your host, Christopher Dedian, and today I am so happy to have Ryan Margolin, which he is the CEO of Professional Hair Labs. Ryan, how are you doing today, my brother? I'm good, thanks, Christopher. How about you? I am great. Thank you very much. I gave a real small introduction of like essentially who you are, what do you do, but please unpack that a bit more. Tell our audience who you are, what do you do, what's your business about, and so on. Sure. Well, the company's called Professional Hair Labs, and we're a manufacturer of cosmetic products, you know, uh, hair care, skin care, um, sanitizers, all, all different types of, of cosmetics. And we operate uh, globally. Uh, we have two locations in Florida and in Wexford in Ireland, where I'm located. And uh, we have our own brand of products, and we also supply private label and custom formula for other big companies. And uh, that's really the, the, the core offering of, of what we do. That is great. And I was actually going to ask, I'm like, your accent seems like from Irish descent and all that. I'm like, where are you from? So I love the fact that you kind of uh, put that in. But before talking about that, talk to us about the origin of why you started the business. Because when I read through your biography, it was really intriguing, very interesting. And I want to unpack how you kind of got into it, what happened to your mother, if you permit. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Look, I mean, uh, that's really the the foundations of the story, you know, look, my, my mother and father uh, owned hair replacement studios ever since we were little kids. And uh, we grew up around that industry. So um, it was a different, you know, part of the industry to where we are now. But, you know, I learned a lot about it in that time. And eventually what happened through the years of my mother being a master hair technician, she was using products that were not safe for her health. And ultimately, it led to her getting chemical poisoning. Um, that kind of transitioned everything. You know, she retired early. Um, and at that point, then my dad was looking for uh, a way to kind of get out of what they were doing, which was owning hair replacement studios and move more into the creation of safe uh, products for the technicians and for the clients. So that's exactly what he did. And, you know, a lot of people told him he was crazy. Um, he was, you know, aiming to create the first water-based solution where everything in the industry was solvent-based. So um, he ended up doing that and it took him a little while, you know, to break into some uh, different supply chains. Um, But in the company, you know, over the years, it kind of remained consistent. It was doing, you know, mid to high to low six figures, you know, 250, 300, then back down to 250. So peaks and valleys over the first 10 years. And then what happened was we knew there was more to be done. And in 2009, uh, I got a call from my dad and, you know, he was telling me a little bit about what was going on in the company. And he offered me an opportunity to come in and take a look at it and see if we could do something. Um, So we did just that. And for about six months, because it was a different part of the industry, you know, I knew people in the industry. uh, I knew some companies, 
but I didn't really know anything about the mechanics of how products were made and, and, and I suppose having products formulated and then supplying them. So I spent the first six months learning and I realized there was a ton of things wrong in the business. Um, simple things, you know, uh, you know, team, uh, marketing, uh, branding, uh, service. And uh, I spent the next, say, maybe three, four months building databases. Uh, we stripped everything back and we rebuilt the, uh, the branding um, from product to logo uh, to packaging and the message and new website and everything. And then we rolled out uh, the newest uh, water-based solution into the marketplace. And we took a really agricultural approach to it and went old school, direct mail marketing to uh, a manually created database. And within 18 months, we tripled revenue. Um, so at that point I was like, okay, look, you know, we validated this product. Now we know that there's a bigger market for it. Uh, let's take a look and see where this brings us. So, you know, ultimately I knew long-term, I didn't want to reside in the United States. You know, a lot of my family is from Ireland. Um, it's where I wanted to raise my kids and, uh, you know, did a business plan and we opened up a year later in Europe. And from there, it just kind of started to grow step-by-step step. and in line with that, then, the United States started to grow as well at a much quicker rate. And eventually, you know, we, we came up into the high six figures, seven figures, eight figures, and uh, we're just continuing to move forward. Um, so that, that's really where it started, uh, where it is now. And there's a lot that's happened in between. Okay. A lot to unpack there. Thank you very much, Ryan, for that. Because honestly, I, yeah, you're like smiling. I'm like, okay, I want to go back, first of all, talk about the product in itself so I could clarify and I could personally understand what is different from the water base to the previous one and what is it that it exactly does. And then we'll go into the business side of things because my podcast is very entrepreneur and business oriented, but I love the fact when I get different people in different industries, we have a chance to learn about it. So when it comes to the product in itself that your mother was previously using that essentially got poisoned from and so on and so forth, is this just for hair replacement products or do you have a line of all kinds of hair products from shampoos to uh, like hairstyling, pomades and whatever the case is? What kind of products do you specifically expertise in within your business? Yeah. Well, now it's all, all of what you just mentioned, but back okay. then, and for the first initial part of where the company started from, it was a core, a select core amount of products, maybe like five or six products. Um, but the real big ones that we, we focus in on are the adhesives. So um, anyone who wears hair pieces uh, or wigs, even for leisure, um, they, they usually either use tape or they use some type of adhesive to glue the, you know, the hair piece or the wig to the scalp. And for many years, there was only a handful of manufacturers that, you know, were manufacturing solvent-based adhesives. So if you think about an adhesive in general, um, you know, it, it's obviously a copolymer uh, that is made up of a lot of different plastics, but ultimately the cutting agent of what thins the product down is really where the danger comes from. So you've got uh, one of the more common ones that's been used in our industry for years is a toluene. And I mean, it's, you know, it, it's been known to cause, you know, birth defects, uh, cancer, um, and it's very dangerous. And because the industry isn't regulated or wasn't even regulated at that time, you know, uh, it, it's come a long way, but it, it, it's not regulated and it still wasn't regulated back then. Um, the reality of it is, is that these companies were getting away with literally murder, you know what I mean? And um, that that's really what bothered you know my father and that's what he aimed to change so while the solution he brought to the marketplace wasn't bulletproof it was a starting point and you know as we always say you know in our company look done is better than perfect 
you know, mm-hmm. so let's get it out there and let's start to improve it as we go along. So that's really where it started from. Okay. So that's very interesting. Thank you for that. So I completely understand it's the adhesive aspect when people wear wigs or whatever the case, because like you said, at a certain point it's glue, right? And the glue uh, uh, products within it, like you said, the thinners are, are quite dangerous. So now when you were saying, I want to highlight that, that, you know, uh, not perfect, you know, starting is better than not perfect, which I a hundred percent agree. It's like a stepping stone. And now you guys have been in this uh, industry for, if I remember correctly, 20 plus years, are you at a point that you could say that right now the product that you use is perfect in regards to health and safety for your users? Yeah, absolutely. As, as far as health and safety, I'd be 100% confident in saying nice. that. Um, you know, look, we're always looking for ways to improve them. And, you know, the, the ways we improve the adhesives are simply for through new technologies and raw materials that become available to the marketplace. You know, the key thing for us that really boosted our, um, it was kind of more the synergy of everything, you know, the marketing, the service, and the launching of the new product Ghostbond that we launched back in 2009. Um, really, what, what this came down to was that a new technology came available, which was a water and oil resistant property. And we went back with our base formulations and started to make some changes. So when you brought everything in together, it was just this perfect moment that worked really well for us. And, um, you know, that that's what we're trying to build on now. Look, the Ghost Bond line has many different variations. I think at this point now we have 10 different variations of the products, depending on what part of the world you're in, what type of hairpiece you wear or wig, um, if you like scent, if you don't like scent, you know, and then if mm-hmm. you're using scents, obviously there are risks of allergens because you're using natural ingredients. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be open to disclose those uh, allergens as well, which is, again, something a lot of companies don't do. And that's what leads to a lot of, you know, problems down the line as well. I, I love that. And before going into the business side, I want to ask you one more question. As I saw that you were on my agenda and you were going to be on the show and I started researching and I'm like, this is so crazy how it's amazing that you're coming at a certain point in my life right now that I'm having a different relationship with my hair. And let me explain, cause that sounds extremely weird. Let me explain here. So I, one of my uh, coaching clients is a barber and been working with him for several years now, got him like from a small barber shop to now being one of the biggest ones in the great region of Montreal, where we're from. And he cuts my hair every single week. And He's been telling me, he's the one that introduced me to the aspect of like, hey, Chris, you should wash your hair with shampoo less than what I usually used to do. I used to do it every single day because I do CrossFit. I work out really hard every single morning. So I'm like, I need to wash it off. And he's like, no, nah, bro, that's not how it works. You're hurting your scalp, so on and so forth. So then he, he gradually got me used to taking, uh, like I shower every single day, but washing my hair once every other day. So I was at like three times a week or whatever the case is. I researched it a bit more and I realized that, in fact, it is beyond harming when you were putting shampoo in our hair. What it does is it takes out the natural oils from it. And then what you're going to do, putting the pomade or whatever the case is, you're adding oil. So it's so counterintuitive. And then went into the aspect yeah. of the marketing side of these conglomerate businesses selling us something for us to use. So this is my opinion, what I saw, what I'm testing so far. It's been legit. The first time in my life that it's been two weeks, I haven't washed my hair. It looks glowing. It looks perfect. And the reason why I started is because I had hairs kind of sticking up and the pomade wasn't even holding it down. Anyways, long story short. So I'm seeing with the oils and you're laughing because I know you know what, what I'm talking about here. So 
understanding that there is the marketing side of things and the products that you're using, I just want to know your opinion on this. What would you suggest for anybody? And I think this is more a male conversation because I, when I was talking to it with my sister or my female colleagues, they're like, yeah, bro, like we, we've known this, like girls know what's up when it comes to, you know, beauty care and all that. And gentlemen, we're kind of new into this world of like, self-care, especially the last decade or so. And I'm very much into that. Like I'm, I'm very much somebody who takes care of myself. So I want to know what's your opinion on that, especially being a professional, what would you suggest for guys when it comes to taking care of their hair? What products would you suggest as well in that regards? Yeah. So I, I think it's about being a little bit more scientific about it. That's my belief. That's, that's the kind of core foundations of where we come from. Um, we're not a company that sells our education. You know, we've always given it away based on our own testing. So, you know, Bringing it into the everyday hair care use, I mean, we kind of manufacture products that would be, you know, they would be suitable for everyday use for people who wear hair pieces. So if you can understand when you, you know, you've actually got hair and you haven't experienced hair loss, um, it is, you, you do have to be mindful of how often you're using it and the types of products you're using. But we can only really speak about bringing it into the, the hair loss side of things and wearing the hair piece. So I can give you some examples. If you're experiencing hair loss, you have multiple different options. You have the surgical and non-surgical side, or you can take supplements that could, you know, boost certain, um, you know, boost certain parts of uh, your, your body that will naturally just let your hair grow back if that's what's going to happen. But what we realized is that through the many years of um, dealing with people who are wearing hair units, uh, they, it's not just as simple as putting it on and attaching it with a piece of tape or adhesive. There is a whole science behind the process. And I'll give you an example. Let's say you're wearing a hairpiece and your whole head or your whole scalp is covered with adhesive. And every four weeks you go to have that serviced or changed. So the, the real question is, is number one, how do you get the, you know, the hairpiece off? And, you know, most people think, oh, well, we're just going to use something that's going to break down the adhesive really easy. Let's pour a bunch of alcohol or citrus-based product on our scalp. And it's like, they do that and it works great. They remove the, you know, they remove the hairpiece, they remove the adhesive and everything is looking great. And then 10 minutes later, they're like, what is that burning? You know? And so what they've done is they've done two things because citrus and alcohol are strong astringents. They're disturbing the pH balance of the skin. All the natural oils are being absorbed out of the skin. So naturally what does the you know, scalp need to do? It needs to rebalance itself and you've opened all your pores and everything is seeping into it. And it's causing all these reactions. And, and this, like, these are the scientific parts of the process, whether you wear hair or not, or whether you're using certain products every day or not, that you need to be attentive to. And these are the things that companies aren't as quick to inform you of, because it's like, because that, it just leads them into a, a need to service another part of the market they're probably not even fixated on because it's not easy money. Yeah. That, yeah, that, that's essentially spot on. It really comes down to the dollar figures and it comes down to you understanding the biology of your body and what's the best for you. And that demands a certain research, but don't necessarily take all marketing aspects for face value, especially now, nowadays we're realizing like, like the, the, the new cycles or anybody that gives information out there, we just have to be very much aware and stand guard at the door of our mind to be noticing of what we're yeah. consuming as information. So Ryan, absolutely. As, and to do your own research, you know, it's, that, yes. that, that's a, that's a key part of it. It, it really is because and anything, that's what I truly believe. Like somebody that could look at information in a, in a non-biased way, 
do their own research and then try to think about what their ideologies reflect that and then have an opinion, I feel like is the right way to go about it towards if you're just watching yeah. something and taking that information and repeating it is not very, uh, I think, safe approach, especially nowadays that we're very much in the attention and information age the last decade or so. So Ryan, as we kind of went into this hair thing and really wanted to go into this, I'm glad that we did. I want to talk about the business side of things and you kind of alluded to it and you highlighted it very lightly, but I do know that your business, you know, globally made over $50 million, which is congratulations first and foremost, that is no joke to the structure, the business, the systems process that you have to do to have that is extremely important. And nonetheless, it is a family run business to the core. I want you to talk about how that process started for you. So you kind of mentioned when you launched it, but how did you get to the aspect of having over $50 million in sales worldwide for what I understand over 15 countries around the globe. So talk to us about that process. Yeah, look, that, that's a process that's really unfolded uh, mostly over the last say five to six years. And, you know, it really comes down to one core thing and it's personal development, mm -hmm. because if you're not, if you're not developing yourself, That's you're not improving and you're not learning to build a team around you and to let things go. And that's one of the hardest parts because what I noticed is that we were doing everything hands-on with three of us uh, up until about the point where we hit a million dollars in, in a year. And we were like, this is absolutely amazing, but we have absolutely no life and we're broken. So what I realized is that you get to choose your broken. Um, the, the broken you, you get to choose is the one that feels uncomfortable, but you know, you got a team there that's, you know, has clear outcomes and they're working towards them, or you can feel the broken where you're, you have everything on your shoulders and you cannot possibly get everything done because, you know, I look, I'm a firm believer is that, you know, don't manage the tasks you have put behind you. There's always going to be a back burner. You just have to admit if you're going to get them done or not. And if you're not going to get them done, let them go or get somebody else to do them. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. Because ultimately, you, you become the bottleneck in your business. So personal development is the key, first and foremost. Um, second to that was the systems. Um, the, the relationships actually came before the systems, believe it or not. The relationships came and we started to grow the business. And then we realized the systems needed to improve. And once the system started to improve, we really saw the ability to automate so much of the process uh, without losing that human touch, that we were able to then start to hire more people in different areas of the company to do different things. And it would function uh, what I would refer to as semi-okay. <laughs> because you know what, I, I, I think if you focus and try to achieve that perfectly run system, you're, you're setting yourself up to fail because there is no perfect system. If your business is growing, it's always gonna feel broken in some way. And you just have to have the correct mindset and the correct skills to lead people to solve those problems for you as well. Ryan, I love, love, love what you just said. I want to highlight certain things for the listeners and the viewers to really, really hone in here. There was three main things that you broke it down to. First and foremost is personal development. And I always say this to my teams, to my employees, to my colleagues, and to all of my clients coaching and all that stuff. 80% is psychology and 20% is a mechanic. I just asked Ryan, how did he get from making a meal? So seven figures to eight figures plus 50 and all that close to nine figures soon enough. And the first thing he mentioned is personal development. If you're not taking care of the mindset, 
which is 80% of the work, the mechanics never going to come into play. You have to be able to show up with that proper mindset. So that's one thing. Second thing you realize the difference between making a million dollars and making eight figures plus is working in the business versus working on the business, which is what you translated towards. They're like, hey, listen, we're working. It was making good money, but like we were dead inside. We didn't have any time. So then how can you take a step back to start hiring with great relationships and then developing, which is a third step, systems and processes. You only have so much time. So you have to look at what you're good at, what you could delegate, where you need to stay within the the business and where you need somebody else's expertise to come in within the business. So that was so beautifully uh, broken down. That's something I work with my high-end CEO clients to get them to that level. And you just broke it down amazingly. So Ryan, awesome job with with that. Definitely shows that you know what's up when it comes to that. Uh, Another thing that I wanted to kind of talk to you about as I was going through your stuff is the IP protection side of things. Because I did see, obviously, you have a great understanding of the marketing, of the branding, and even sales. And we'll touch into that. But the IP side of protection. Now, when you're competing in this hair product world, you're competing in some pretty big boys and, and gals. And when you start making, like we said, nine figures plus, I'm sure that you're getting noticed by them. How do you protect your IP or how do you present yourself to not be crushed by the big players? And I'm not going to name names, but you understand what I'm saying. How did you go about that throughout the process of your growth within your company? So we've learned a crazy amount about IP protection. And, you know, I personally chosen to be hands-on with this aspect of the business since the beginning, because if I can't, I feel myself, if I don't have an understanding, like obviously we have our own legal teams in different parts of the world that actually handle this legally for us. But if I'm not understanding what's actually going on or getting some sort of data back, you know, it's very, it's impossible to protect your brand. So I could talk about this all day, but what I'll really break it down to is that in order, in my opinion, there's three key places you need to register your trademark, whether it's company or whether it's a brand product. First and foremost, before you do anything, before you tell anyone what that name is, before you show it to the world in any capacity, you get it registered in the United States, you get it registered in Europe, and you get it registered in China. Our biggest sole mistake was that we didn't register it in China. And I remember the first day we saw our first counterfeit online and I was a bit uh, offended, but I didn't really make too much of it because I'm thinking, here's, here's a company that's clearly counterfeiting our product. And because it's a topical product you're putting on the skin, they're selling it so cheap. We know exactly what's in it. And it's going against this, the, the very foundations on which this company was built, right? So that one listing turned into 10, turned into 100, turned into 1,000, turned into 3,000, turned into 100,000 to the point now where we have AI technology that actually picks up all these listings online every day and removes in different parts of the world. That's not where the biggest problem is, and that's not where the biggest monetary value is for these counterfeiters. The monetary value comes from the penetration of the distribution channels. They go and target places in the world where the product is not known, knowing that it is, you know, if it's hot in the USA or it's hot in Europe, they target these countries that have large populations and they go in under the radar and they start pushing out and selling the product. So we were looking at this going, well, I know we don't sell to anyone in, you know, say the Philippines. I know we don't sell to anyone, you know, say in whether it be South Africa or Brazil, wherever it be, maybe. And um, we're looking at this going, our products are everywhere. So we know they're counterfeit. So we're like, initially we were like, okay, let's go get these guys. Let's remove it. Let's send them all these letters. And then I was like, this this actually isn't the way we want this isn't the way we want this to be so what we did is we flipped the script a little bit 
and we try to be a little bit more clever, try to turn that negative into a positive by reaching out to these companies, opening up a conversation with them and being like, look, here's the deal. You know, this is our product. We manufacture it. You're buying counterfeits. Come do business with us. These are genuine products. Yeah, they cost X amount more, but they're not burning your client's scalp or they're not, you know, they're not doing any harm. And you, you will see that. You will see the difference when you start to use it. So we've been pretty successful in that. And then in other cases, we haven't where we've ended up, you know, having to take legal action against a lot of large counterfeit uh, groups. Um, ultimately, they're extremely smart and they're extremely switched on. And this is their bread and butter. This is where they really make their money. When they take a premium brand and they're able to create it for a dollar a bottle and make people think that, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the best thing, you know. So that, 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 that one key thing I said at the beginning would be the very, the very first starting point. And, um, you know, from there, you know, you know, it's, it's about protecting your brand in any way you can. We've tried everything. You know, we, 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 we've been a part of the Amazon's transparency program. That's been successful to a degree. Um, we've even just created our own counterfeit, uh, anti-counterfeit app where uh, on our packaging, our own codes and our own app is available um, front user so they can scan the codes on our packaging, make sure they're legit. If it's not legit, app picks it up, they can report it directly to us and we can start to build the hotspots all over the world where our counterfeits are being reported. So it's, uh, it's a really, you know, it's, it's, it's an evolving process the whole time and you'll never fully, uh, you'll never fully get rid of it. It's the cost of doing business, but you want to just put your right foot forward and do what you can to combat it. I love that. I love that. So two main takeaways for me anyways, and I just want to highlight it for the audience as well. First and foremost, we're going to come over to product. Like you mentioned, three places you want to put your uh, protection on. So it's United States, Europe, and Asia. And sorry, China to be specific, because that's the places that they yeah. do the more counterfeiting things. Second thing, your mindset, once again, comes down to the personal development to see that there's a problem here. Instead of looking at it necessarily just in a negative way, switching it up and really looking at it, what is the positive I could get out of this? which is a stoic mantra of like Amor Fati, you know, being in love with your faith. So you're like, okay, cool. These people are counterfeiting, but let's see where they're selling. And then going knocking on those doors to see that, hey, these clients are actually interested in the product. Why don't you offer them the actual valuable product that is so much better? And then from there, I'm sure that increased your sales. And then just understanding and navigating the world of the counterfeit, because like you said, it's always going to exist. It has always existed. You just have to navigate it accordingly. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's about, you know, like ultimately when it comes down to it, I think the one key thing where, you know, counterfeit companies and the companies who do this on a daily basis know they get you is that um, they get you emotion. And, yeah. and that's one of the key things you have to work on not being. You have to be logical. You have to lead with a logical brain and not an emotional brain because this means nothing to them, but everything to you. So you almost have to flip the script a little bit and put yourself in their shoes and, and, and kind of fight them on their own level. You know, that's just the way it has to happen. I love the psychology behind that because any entrepreneur starts anything from beginning to scratch, they see it as their baby. And it is, it's like a living, breathing thing, even though it's, it's not in our eyes, it is. We've spent so much time towards these people. Their business is to take that down and they're doing it very uh, methodically with no emotions. Like they don't care. They probably have several other lawsuits like yours in different brands. So for them is how can they win? So I love that you have that approach of like, Hey, let me put myself in the position of the shoe of the other. How can I respond to them? So we could be at the same level. Love that. So Ryan, I, I want to be respectful for your time here. And I have a couple of more questions that I want to kind of dive into my next one. Okay. 
So this is the Peak Performance Greatness Show, and we highlight top-end entrepreneurs that are high-performing like you, and it's so obvious from everything that you mentioned, and we highlight the greatness. But one thing I love to highlight as well, which not a lot of people do, is certain places that you can improve on, optimize, certain places that you're having difficulty on right now within your business. And why that is, is because we learn so much more from difficulty and failure and actually success. Like I said, we could sit here and talk about all your numbers, all your successes, but what I want to know right now within your business or personal life, where is somewhere that you are having difficulty with something or something that you could optimize within the business? And what is that? And what are you going to do to improve it? So I want to know your thought pattern like to improving it as well. Go for that. Well, there's, there, there's two aspects. So I'll, I'll actually give you a personal and, you know, and a, uh, and, and the business side of things from a personal level, what happens is as we move and diversify in different directions and expand our operations or services, my personal time becomes less and less. And ultimately what happens is my home life, you know, becomes less and less because of that. And look, I spent the first 10 years of being involved in this company, um, you know, completely committed and focused to it to the point where I missed a lot of key things, very important moments in, in, in my personal life. And I promised myself it would never happen again. So that's a constant evolution of improvement for me. And I know I never always get it right, but I, I become more aware of it and how to balance it and manage. It. So and that that simply comes from making sure you do the simple things right. You know, you're up in the morning. You're, you're exercising, whether it's, you know, as you said, whether it's what you do is CrossFit or whether it's gym, whether strength training, whatever it's, it's running, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is for you, let it be what it is. And then just, you know, throughout the day, you just lead with the right head uh, and, and, and you, do, you do the best you can. And always, always be attentive to the fact that sometimes us as entrepreneurs can sometimes go inward and be a little self-centered sometimes because mm-hmm. we're so focused on the end result that we don't see anything else, you know, alongside of us. So you always have to make sure that you're keeping, you know, that, that peripheral, you know, in balance. Um, So on a business side of things, uh, look, you know, right now, one of our key things we're focused on that, that is really putting a lot of strain on the resources is the expansion of our manufacturing process where, you know, we're going, you know, we're, we're just literally now in the process here in Europe of going from 10,000 to 50,000 square feet. Mm -hmm. And what that entails is that you need to be more meticulous about your numbers. You need to be more meticulous about your running costs and you need to be more meticulous about your lean manufacturing processes. So, where we're used to, you know, operating out of a certain space and we have a target, you know, for three years time to double our, you know, double our workforce because we're envisioning the work or the business being there, trying to put yourself in a position to uh, navigate all that, even with a team is, is, is very, uh, is very difficult and challenging, but ultimately this cannot be done without a team. So I think, you know, from a challenge perspective, we know what's in front of us, but we also know the solution because we've been here before on a smaller scale. Yeah. So that that's really what we're what we're what we're committed to right now. I I love the things you just highlighted because first of all, it speaks to me, and I'm sure it speaks to a lot of entrepreneurs. And I always say this: like being ambitious is a double-edged sword. It's the most beautiful thing because you're going to succeed in so many things, but that ambition makes it into an obsession and you need that obsession at a certain level to succeed. But then you have to look at a different perspective 
and see, hey, where are the important things that I'm maybe not spending as much time in and restructure that balance. And I believe balance is not 50-50. Balance is whatever percentage you make it from the time ahead. So in the beginning, like you're saying, 10 years ago, like, I don't know your, 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 your status of like, were you single or not? But imagine you were single 10 years ago when you started in the business, you were probably really close to 100% in the business. Now you have family life, kids and all that. And then you're like, okay, cool. We have to readjust it. And you adjust it to whatever works within your needs with your family and all that. So I love that. And the second part was, the business of like, Hey, it's growing. So we're kind of going, even though I think you have a very mature business at this point, I would not say you're a teenager business far from it, but you're going to another level. And that creates a certain like risk and like um, potential failure. So you have to be aware of the, the processes, the margins and so on. So I, I love that. Right. I have two more questions before we go over mm-hmm. here. Sure. Okay. And we kind sure. of highlighted and, the fact- and Christopher, just, just to say as well, that the, the, on the balance thing, because I think this is vitally important because you, you, something you said there is right. Balance is created. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a given. You have to create that. And you have to, you know, you also have to be aware that, you know, as, as, as people, when uh, just human nature is to add more things to create the balance. Like if, you know, if we've got a lot going on over here on our left, we're trying to put a lot more here on the right to balance things out. But that, in my eyes, that's not the key. When you become overwhelmed and the balance is off, you got to subtract. You you got to bring it right back to basics, and and that's I think if you can look at situations and your current status, you know, with that in mind, you'll be doing okay. Let me ask you a question: What is bringing back to basics for you? For me, bringing back to basics is, if I'm to be completely honest, it's pleasing people, not pleasing people. You know, you, sometimes you 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 give too much of your time to areas or mm. aspects that it's taken for granted or you're just wasting it. And, you know, that, that's, that's happened to me a lot over the last year. There's too much time that's been absorbed by other situations that um, I just, just really, you just have to bring it back to basics so you can focus on the important things. Love it. So being aware of your strengths and the places you need to optimize is, and if you realize that, Hey, I'm a pleaser and that could be positive in certain expenses or certain ways, yeah. but it could be negative as well to be like, Hey, where am I actually allowing my time to go? Is it actually valuable for my family, yeah. for my well being, and for my business? Love that. Yeah. So another thing that I wanted to kind of ask you, as you mentioned, obviously you're from Ireland and Ireland is somewhere that I truly want to go. I've heard only great things about, uh, I'm, I, I love scotch and I know it's in Scotland and I know Ireland has some great uh, uh, single moths as well. I'm going to ask you a question, two parts to this. What is the best thing about Ireland and what is the worst thing about Ireland? <laughs> Go for it. So, yeah. So if you're, if you're okay with four seasons in one day, that's the worst thing about Ireland. You, you could be looking out the window, it could be snowing. And then you could you could get it completely sunny. The best thing about Ireland is just it, it, it is really all about the simple life. I think the people here are uh, extremely open and they're very kind and empathetic. And uh, I think from my perspective, you know, um, I, I would be a similar type of personality. Um, I, I, you know, even my, my two brothers as well were extremely empathetic people, which is why I think things work quite well for us and we're able to, you know, problem solve. But, um, you know, putting the people aside, uh, I, I have to say one of my favorite things about Ireland is the Irish whiskey. So I'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay. 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 Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're, we're getting into the Irish whiskey here. So first of all, the, the weather thing, I a hundred percent understand I'm from Montreal, Canada, and it's very bipolar weather. I call it. So I understand what you're yeah. saying. And I do feel the empathy side of things just through you. Huh? Like I've never been to Ireland, but okay. What is your favorite Irish whiskey? 
The one that I've tasted and I've liked, right. I think if I'm not mistaken, is Red Bird, which was Red Bird 12. Red, uh, 12 uh, red Breast. Red, red, red breast. breast. Sorry, I'm calling it Red Bird because yeah. there's legit a yeah. Red Bird on the yeah. cover. Red yeah. Breast. You're absolutely exactly. Right. So yeah. what's your favorite? Amazing whiskey. So uh, right now at the moment, the one I'm really, you know, uh, held up on is Green Spot. I love Green Spot. Um, so they have different variations, green spot, yellow spot, red spot, blue spot, but, uh, the green one is the one I'm really uh, enjoying at the moment. Okay. I'm definitely going to try it out and let you know what I think. So thank you for that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm real passionate about scotch and all that fun stuff and single mods. So good. Thank yeah, you for that. Where, but that's where my, own, that's where my own whiskey, uh, you know, kind of entry started, you know, a bottle of McAllen's 18, a friend of mine bought it for me. And uh, I, I just never looked back. It was just such a, a, a beautiful whiskey. And um, yeah, look, yeah, I, I love it. I love a good scotch too. I mean, it's it depends what you associate it with. I'm not somebody that drinks a lot. I'm going to say unfortunately or fortunately, yeah. because I have a lot of ambitions with my work and with my workout. But every single time I do, it's got to be a scotch or a single malt. And it's always with great company. Yeah. And it's always for a positive event, right? So I associate Absolutely. drinking that in such a positive way. So I always get excited with it. So I love the way you kind of explain that aspect Absolutely. too. Yeah. So that's brother, a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It, it really is. Uh, my last thing for that I want to ask you over here as like the conversation was just phenomenal. Love it from beginning to end. What would be the best way for our community to reach out to you? If maybe somebody has like hair loss, cause that's a real thing. You know, a lot of people have that and confidence plays a huge role with that or want to know more about you or your product. Where's the best place that they could reach out to you? We're across every social media channel. So, um, and for me personally, you know, mainly my, my hangout from a business perspective would be LinkedIn. So, um, yeah, look, I mean, if there's any, you know, personal questions that anyone has, just reach out to me there. I'm always happy to answer. And if I don't have the answer, I will get it. Beautiful. And what's your handles? Do you mind just saying it? Uh, so it's just Ryan Margolin, uh, on, on, uh, on LinkedIn. And then, you know, for, for our social media, for the business, um, most of it is professional hair labs um through you know say facebook or instagram and then you know we have tiktok as well so um with a simple search i'll I'll find it love it ryan thank you very much for your time for your expertise for the knowledge you just drop i love the fact and this is one thing i want to highlight i always say this i'm a capitalist but i love capitalism with empathy which i feel like is lacking in this world ethical ethical and with empathy there's just, you could make money. You deserve all the money in the world, but as long as you're not hurting other people, you're not hurting the world, you're not hurting yourself. That's the way to go about it. And what you're just creating right now is helping people in a healthier way for them to be more confident. I just salute you, my brother. Congratulations. And this was a blast. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me, Christopher. Have a great one. Take care. Christopher Dedian here. Thank you so much for listening to the Peak Performance Fitness Show. If you're a successful entrepreneur or intrapreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot of your phone, text it to a friend, or post it on the socials. If you know somebody that could be a great guest, please tag them on social media to let them know about this program. And don't forget to include the hashtag Peak Performance Greatness. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We regularly put out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episode, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Your thumbs up, rating, and review go a long way to help us promote this show, and it would mean a lot to me as well as my team. 
You want to know more? Go ahead and visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or my YouTube channel at Christopher Didier. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Have a blessed and grateful day.